Come on, every pony, smile, smile, smile. Let, well, fill your hearts up with wonder, wonder. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. Welcome back to Crush on Radio. Uh, I, th- I think that's how this thing works. <laughs> I'm uh, not familiar I'm, with the show. I'm with, um, what are your names again? Uh, I, I'm Matt, a, a, a long-time, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> first, first-time first crusher. So you're the long-time listener. <laughs> and, and who are you again, uh, other guy? Um, I don't even have a joke for this. My name is Andrew. Cool. So I, I guess we have this the show we do um, from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Suits us. Yeah. Last time, not to throw Matt under the bus here, but last time was not my fault. I, that is that is true. I, <laughs> I I had been having a a busy time, and I just didn't actually have time to actually listen to anything. And I was like, going like, wow, I could go on there and be all like, so Andrew, you you picked some music. I, I assume that there were some sound waves in there involved, and the uh, notes were interesting. Yes, yes, and I, I like the fact that they used instruments. <laughs> <laughs> ah, jokes on you! My pick this week is John Cage's four thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, that's not my pick. Um, my cool. pick is something else entirely, but we'll get to that later because. Uh, well, Matt, I think, is going first this week, but we've got uh, some stuff we need to talk about at the head of the show, if you don't mind. Um, All right. All right. Uh, on the, if you remember a, a few episodes back uh, sometime you know, in the distant past, uh, we did a show where we talked about a blog post by the artist Grimes mm. uh, about you know abusive fans and stuff like that. And uh, uh, the, the band Churches, uh, who are completely and totally awesome, except for the fact that they use a V instead of a U in their name. I think you're churching, thinking of churches. <laughs> it, it's pronounced churches. I, I, I'm almost certain. <clears throat> anyway, their, their singer, sure. yeah, their, their their singer put out a, a piece in the Guardian about the same fucking thing. And so I, I'm, I'm link there. You'll find a link to that in the show notes and uh, a callback and link back to uh, the previous episode where we discussed this this ridiculous problem. And it's ridiculous in the fact that we're still talking about this problem and it hasn't gone away. Not that the problem is ridiculous. Well, yeah, it, it, it it's twenty thousand thirteen. Twenty thousand. I I just woke up. <laughs> it's two thousand thirteen, people. Yeah, they they. Yeah, that it. There's there's no excuse for quote unquote fans to be sending abusive, sexually explicit, and unwanted messages to a lead singer of a band, no matter how attractive she is or not actually it didn't make it shouldn't make a difference yeah it's just that is not acceptable behavior period people and, and i don't i don't even think it matters if it's someone in a band if it's pretty much anyone anyone, anyone. <laughs> you know it's it's kind of you know it, it fucking like golden rule people are, are you like do you flunk out of kindergarten <laughs> seriously people um Anyway, we can't harp on that too long, but I, uh, again, we had the whole episode about that, basically, so... But, uh, here we go again. Um, also... The evolution is real. Yep. Also, um, 
just a reminder, if you're in the New York City area and you uh, want to have a ticket to see the Long Winters in two weeks. Oh, man. Uh, Andrew and I will be there. Is it sold out? It's sold out. Oh, man. So and now it is officially too late. Uh, I'm actually double checking to see if this is sold out. Um, yep, sold out. Yeah, it's one of those. There may possibly be tickets at the door. There may not. I wouldn't count on it. Though, if you want to pay, you know, twice as much through StubHub, go go for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's and, gonna be great. And I think you have something to talk about too, Andrew, involving uh, music listening devices. Oh yes, yes. Um, I uh, so a little bit of context here. I am uh, an English professor by day, and I teach at two different schools, and so and they're both an hour away from me. So I drive, um, I commute two hours a day, Monday through Friday, and uh, so I'm on the go a lot, working from a mobile uh, setup with my MacBook Pro and and such. And RDO has been a particularly um, wonderful asset while I've been mobile because I have pretty much access to the entire audio collection um, on the go and don't have to keep any music on my MacBook Pro itself, um, which is wonderful. And um, side note, RDO just uh, made all of their stations, their Pandora-esque stations, free. So it's a good time to check it out if you haven't looked into RDO. It's quite fun. Um, We'd like to thank RDO for sponsoring this episode. (laughs) Yes. Or actually sponsoring future episodes, hint, hint. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, but so I was, I usually work in the library, you know, when I'm not teaching and I, um, needed a good way to listen to music. And so I, I have these Sennheiser HD 380 pros, which, um, were a recommendation from Marco Arment, uh, and they're big over the ear headphones and I love them to death and they sound miraculous and I wish I could carry them all the time, but they're just too big to, for a daily carry. So I was looking, I was in the market for a new pair of earbuds because I found, um, or I had a pair of Edemotics. I don't know what model they are, but I had a pair of Edemotics that um, an audiophile on a message board recommended to me um, quite long ago. I forget how much they were, probably somewhere between 150 and 200. And um, they sound not terrible, I guess, but they sound extremely trebly. There's like virtually no bass. And to top it off, the three tips, um, headphone tips that they give you, there's like a, a conical one, a foam one, and then one that I haven't even tried because I don't understand how that would fit in my ear. Um, but they – so they don't fit well and they don't sound very well if you have any interest in low frequencies, which I do. So I was in the market for an upgrade and so I um, put my faith in the wire cutter, a wonderful technology review site, and went with a pair of RBH EP2s according to the wire cutter, the best uh, $200 in-ear headphones. And they were $180. Bought them off of the RBH website, um, and they are on their way, uh, supposed to arrive on Thursday. So I'm hoping that um, they are an improvement. I don't see how they could not be an improvement over the Edemotics and um, how they sound. The um, the review, pretty much the consensus was that as far as consistently positive, comfortable, sounding good earbuds go, um, these were the top of the uh, top of the pack because pretty much everybody who's reviewed them says that they are good. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for them to get here, and I hope that they are half as good as um, the wire cutter says they are. So you heard it here first. Yeah, I I don't have that kind of money to drop on headphones. I'm happy with my uh, Apple earpods, but uh, mm-hmm. I saw they have a new recommendation for hundred dollar earbuds on the wire cutter, which I'm looking into, and they're actually 
their their hundred their best buy for a hundred dollar in your headphones is actually a fifty dollar set of earphones, which is interesting. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and they have a remote microphone, which is useful because I have the uh, the iPhone and I use the heck out of that remote button and the microphone. Yeah. Um, they also have a like the cheapest pair of headphones or earbuds that are in ear headphones, I suppose, and they're like from Mono Price. I forget how much they are, but five dollars. Five dollars. There you go. We have a pair of those in the office, and they're actually pretty darn good. Okay. Nice. So if you're on a budget. But yeah, so I mean, I, I tweeted the other day that, you know, if you're going to spend money on something and you're a music fan, I mean, I don't see how a pair of headphones cannot be like the a high priority. So I'm looking forward to these getting here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the final review from you when they get here. Or, yeah. or there, rather. Yeah, they're, not, they're not coming to me. Nope. <laughs> or are they? <laughs> Ta-ta. No. Um... Now, my next big bird, I'm, I'm waiting to, the next big technology purchase I'm getting is when the new Fitbit comes out. Anyway. That's the that's, what? That's a, like a pedometer, motion tracker, oh. sleep tracker, thingamabobber. Yeah, I'm holding off on buying any of those things until we see what Apple's going to come out with in terms of something that you put on your body. Yeah. Well, that's a different show. Um, so, Matthew, you have a album that you wish to talk about. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you would you set this up for the uh, for the listening audience? No. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what I what I uh, uh, what I uh, chose this week was the brand new n- album by Nine Inch Nails. It's called Hesitation Marks. Um, sort of a follow up to um, Downward Spiral. Like I know, like um, in like some interviews and stuff, like Trent's kind of uh, or Trent Reznor the lead guy of Nine Nails uh, has uh, kind of referred to it as the upward spiral, <clears throat> uh, considering that, you know, the downward spiral is basically a, a man, like, and, it, and it's sort of, it was a, both albums are at least somewhat autobiographical, at least in in terms of, I guess, like, kind of mental state, I suppose, um, where, like, downward spiral was basically a man falling apart, and, you know, the album ends with him, you know, right about to to um attempt suicide and then the uh um hesitation marks is basically follow picks up with more or less the same narrator and he ends up uh not doing it like uh, uh you know basically making the hesitation marks but nothing more like which are uh when you're going to slash your wrist the the uh marks that you make to, to kind of like test the blade yeah yeah test it uh, yeah, it's it. Wait for hooray for for dark, <laughs> um, but um, basically ends up not doing it, uh, and it's sort of a rise up where it's not the most. You know, I mean, it's not like everything is fixed now. <laughs> like you get like with some some of those kind of narratives, but it is basically based. You know, sort of a trying to make things better and basically. Uh, to, to me, I found it like kind of a more mature version um, of a lot of the kind of the Nine Inch Nails wallowing kind of stuff uh, lyrically, where it's more of like things might suck, but there's still enough there to kind of keep you going too. And it's not to discount the darkness, but it's also that there there's other stuff too, I guess you know. And it's like 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 li- li- instead of like life 100% sucking life only you know i don't know 90% sucks <laughs> um so why don't we hear a little bit of that now instead of me yammering like a 
like a guy who n- pretends to know what he's talking about. And why don't we hear a little bit of? I think I, I think I said uh, "Came Back Haunted" is the was the pick last last time. So let, let let's hear a little bit of that now. I kind of did it backwards and did my spiel before we actually played the damn hook. So I think I, I kind of like uh, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I I, I I I think I'm out of stuff to say for for right now. So what did you all think? I'm gonna let you go go first on this one, Andrew. Okay. Because you're 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 I think new to the nine inch nails. I totally am new to the nine inch nails, and I was really excited about this pick because I. Um, I just saw that they had come out with a new album and I had my experience with the Nine Inch Nails is very limited because I remember them being a thing when I was younger. And I remember distinctly feeling like uh, as a kid, uh, as a younger kid than I am now, uh, I was like, you know, that is not me. Um, Just like kind of based on what I had heard, what songs I had heard in passing and the fact that they were called Nine Inch Nails and apparently they were like industrial rock or whatever. It was just a genre that I had decided that I was not going to um, associate with. And um, then in recent years, I saw Trent Reznor was on the um, he was on the Rush, the wonderful Rush documentary Beyond the Lighted Stage. Um, And he had some very uh, intelligent things to say about the band. And so I was looking forward to, and I also enjoyed his um, his soundtrack to the Social Network movie, um, which I thought was very cool. And so I was looking forward to getting um, an education in Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails and their music. Um, and so this record, uh, I really like it a lot. I don't know how it compares to other Nine Inch Nail records. Um, I can tell you that I think uh, what made me enjoy it most was that it really sort of defied my expectations because... I was anticipating, you know, Nine Inch Nails. It's going to be like this this dark, almost gothic, uh, and this was just my perception of the band, this dark sort of industrial, angry, you know, screaming type music, you know, metal-ish, you know. And I was really shocked at how um, electronic and how melodic the record was. And it's just delicious. Um, that being said, it is. it feels like a huge record to me. How long is it? An hour and two minutes? Um, it feels like a huge record to me because I don't, I haven't been able to absorb like anything past the the first half of the record. Like I know how copy of a goes and I know how it came back on to goes and find my way in all time low, but like the rest of the songs, by the time I get to those songs, if I'm listening to the album the whole way through, it just kind of all blends together and just becomes this um, sort of indiscernible, wonderful um, mass of, of sounds and um, atmosphere. So I couldn't tell you how the, like the second half of the album goes, but um, I enjoy uh, this record quite a bit. Are we going to talk about the um this uh, the uh, audio file version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, well, okay, okay. Yeah, why don't we do that like afterward? But yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, I really like it. Um, I need, even though I've been listening to it constantly since Matt uh, picked it, I still need many more listens in order to wrap my brain around the whole thing. So, um, I think Matt wins this episode <laughs> for me. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, and and the thing that I've always loved is, I mean, like I think that Trent Reznor is an amazing uh, composer. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he's done a, a, a Nine Inch Nails instrumental album called Ghosts One Through Four, 
and that is really really good. Like I I really recommend that one highly. And I like honestly like and I it, the funny thing is is like I think that, at least, I know when when it came out people were like ugh. But I don't know if it's like if people have kind of come around on it. But I love the fragile too that that album, which is a it's a two disc album. Which you know, talk about you know kind of a uh, big and you know heavy and unwieldy projects. There you go. But I mean, it's like I I honestly I I love the fragile and I think it's like a a great great record. And but yeah, I I I think you know I'm, I'm glad that you you dug uh, the Nine Inch Nails and I I, I think you know pretty much. Most of this stuff would be worth checking out. Like, uh, Broken is probably the most that's like the probably the most like the Nine Inch Nails that was in your head before you listened. Mm-hmm. In terms of being like harsh and screamy. Um, again, though, it's it's still really melodic too. I mean, that that's one of the things that's like great with uh, Nine Inch Nails is the melodic aspect of the stuff, and even even the screaming is is melodic. I guess you know what I mean. It's like yeah. It's it's not just tuneless screaming. It it's yeah. I mean, like uh, Trent really has a great ear for melody and harmony and and that kind of thing, and it really works for for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. As, as one who's a, I, I'm not as much into Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor as you are, Matt, but uh, I'm definitely not unfamiliar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm I'm that guy. My my favorite Nine Inch Nails record is Pretty Hate Machine, and everything since then has been like, well, everything I've heard has been well. It's it's good if I'm in the mood for for the darkness stuff, but it's it's no Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah. Pretty Hate Machine is pretty awesome, though I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it also sounds very unlike everything else they've done. Yeah, I think, in fact, I th- I'd have to say Hesitation Marks might be the most Pretty Hate Machine album they put out since Pretty Hate Machine. Am I wrong? In a way, I can actually kind of see that. I, it kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, came back haunted, or, or you know, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh wow, that that's 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 more electronic than what I've heard from them in recent years. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it it's got a it, it reminds me a lot of like a, a modern version of Pretty Hate Machine. So there we go. Um, this is this is good. I I like the my nine inch nail. I have a hole in my collection of nine inch nails albums. I have that goes from. Uh, the fragile to hesitation marks. Oh, you, the funny thing is, like, I mean, a lot of those I think are some of the best. Like, so do you? You do have the fragile, right? Yes. Okay, but basically everything else, like, because like I loved uh, Year Zero. I thought was really really good too. Mm. Which mm-hmm. which is the one that's uh, the uh, kind of a concept album, etc. Uh, about a overly uh, Basically, the U.S. is a Christian theocracy, right? And that that, that sounds like it'll be hard to do well. So I've I've been wary of checking that one out. Uh, he, he, it works though; <laughs> it okay. really does. Okay. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I I like this. It's it's I'm with Andrew. Like sort of the lat, the second half of the album sort of like turns into like this indistinct kind of uh, thing, where you know I'm enjoying when I'm listening to it, but afterwards I can't remember a damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, kind of like it, I, th- I kind of consider it because I, I can kind of see the same or hear the same thing, and it's, I almost kind of can th- think of that back half of the album, like pretty much everything after uh, everything, as sort of like kind of a a sweet kind of like the the B side of Abbey Road kind of deal. Yeah. Me, Mister Mustard, Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and can we talk about everything real quick? 
Because I remember oh, yeah. when that song dropped, uh, everyone was a lot of people I know who are into the Nine Inch Nails who are into Nine Inch Nails were like, "What? What the hell is this?" <laughs> and it, I I was the one person to, to stick their finger up and go, "I liked it." I really did too, honestly. And I I, I actually like, in a way like because I mean like that's kind of the thing is I mean it's like it's upbeat. It's the upbeat Nine Inch Nails song that pretty much you know no one ever really expected to hear. Yeah. But but honestly, I mean. Pardon. I mean, I I think that uh, that uh, everything is kind of needed from the you know I, I think it's a sign of of emotional growth uh, from from the Nine Inch Nails project just because and, and I mean I think I've talked about this before is even though like I am a really big fan a lot of times especially like on stuff like you know Downward Spiral uh, the lyrics can get a little adolescent angsty teen angst wallowy which kind of seems a little weird coming from a guy who's you know at the time was you know 30 or so and it's uh, it would be even weirder now since he's like in his 40s and he's got two kids and he's you know really he's on top of the world uh and musically speaking at least so exactly yeah and so i mean i think and, and i mean and i i think that's the thing that i like about about hesitation marks is that it's there it's still dark and there's, and I mean, and it, and it is still about, you know, depression and stuff like that, but it's about, it's more about an adult dealing with depression than with, than a, uh, a, a kid. Right. And I mean, I think that they're like, uh, and I, I, not to discount depression at all. Cause I mean, like, I, I mean, it's, that's a, a big deal and a real, a real thing and everything like that. I'm not like one of those, you know. You just need to get happy, kind of idiots, you know. It's, but you know, so I mean, it, it is like a little weird talking about like depression and suicide and stuff in the concept of a of a of a pop record, you know. But um, it just seems that there's a bit more growth there, and I mean, like, and the great thing too is, I mean, with everything is, I mean, it is, it isn't just straightforward, you know. I'm gonna go kick ass. It, it it's a defiant thing. It's like you know. I fuck survived you. everything. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like, you know, fuck you, you tried to wear me down and you almost won, but then I, I came back and, mm-hmm. you know, in so, your face, life. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're getting pretty deep into this, so we, we should talk about the audiophile version. And I'm just going to state my, what I have to say about it up front right here. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell a goddamn difference. I kind of couldn't either. Like, I, I've listened and, like, I don't know, I, I just don't really hear it. Like I, I think there there might be like a slight better quality when I listen to the uh, audiophile version versus the normal version. But honestly, I just don't really hear it, and I think a lot of that might just be psychosomatic. <laughs> you know, I think it's just sort of like, well, this is the audiophile version, so it's it must sound better. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, and you're the one with the with the super super he- high end headphones, Andrew. What do you, what do you think? Um, you know, I didn't get to spend as much time with the audiophile version as I would have liked, um, but I did listen once or twice to a couple of tracks and compared them back to back, and I, I think I can tell the difference. Um, it feels like the, the audiophile version is a little bit more spacious, and I think this was the, the, um, the goal behind it is not to make it just louder, but to sort of expand the sonic range or something like that. So to me, I mean, this could be all in my head, but... Um, it does sound a little bit more spacious than um, a little bit more uh, like there's more room to breathe, um, kind of, as opposed to the the standard edition. But it is very subtle. It's definitely not um, an easy 
thing to do mm. to distinguish. Yeah, it's I and mean, it's kind of funny because like like and I I think I am kind of a sucker for stuff like that too because like I know with uh, the deluxe version of the Flaming Lips album Embryonic, uh, they it came with a DVD version of the uncompressed audio tracks at like a uh, uh, ninety six kilohertz. Uh, and honestly, like that to me that made the album sound a lot better. So I mean I think I am kind of like predisposed to you know stuff like that and gimmicks like that but i think my hearing's too damaged for me to be able to honestly tell yeah yes um so quick question before we move on if uh hesitation marks was somebody's first nine inch nails record and they really enjoyed it where would one go next uh i'd say either pretty hate machine or downward spiral or both that, that's probably what i would do especially because i mean with uh downward spiral is kind of the companion album to this one mm-hmm. uh but yeah, like probably both, just because like Pretty Hate Machine is really, really good, but it's really pretty different too, like kind of like what we were saying. But mm-hmm. it's still essential. It's got, you know, a lot of the classic songs that people associate with Nine Inch Nails, like Head Like a Hole, uh, Down in It. Um, uh, Sin, Ring Finger. Yeah. Oh, it's down, a- down in It is great. And you got to find the vi- I, I should link to the video of them doing Down in It on Dance Party USA. <laughs> it is the strangest thing. Um, Strangest juxtaposition. You've got you know Nine Inch Nails miming the song with their you know some some real some fake instruments, and they're just you know they they look like you'd expect a, a '90s industrial a late an early '90s industrial band to look. And all around them is on this like pastel pink set um, covered in glitter with a bunch of like kids dressed like you know in the height of late '80s fashion dancing, <laughs> and it's weirdest thing ever. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, Pretty Hate Machine is, like, a, just a wonderful, wonderful record. And, uh, but yeah, it probably, probably I would do the one-two punch of uh, that and Downward Spiral. Great. Yeah. Um, and Pretty Hate Machine just got a really nice remaster with a, with a bonus track that's a cover of a Queen song. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, you know, Trent, I, so Trent, ha- you know, Trent obviously has, uh, has some taste. Yes. Yeah. And I think after that, like, mm. pro- probably, what, The Fragile, I'm thinking? Yeah, and maybe Squeeze Broken in there. Yeah, yeah, Squeeze, yeah, because, I mean, Broken is good, but, I mean, it, it is, like I said, it's the closest to the harsh, screamy thing that you had in your head. Yeah. But it's a okay. good, harsh, screamy thing. Exactly, And I say this yeah. as someone who's not really a fan of harsh, screaming. Yeah, I mean, like, I And mean, also what... says the man who might be picking a Melt Banana album for next episode. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, what? Melt Banana. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and but yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is too is I mean, like the stuff on Broken, even though it is really harsh, is really catchy too. Like, I mean, like you get like stuff like Happiness and Slavery, which, you know, I mean, I I get that song in my head a lot, you know. Which I mean is, even the title is probably enough to kind of make you kind of go like, you know, oh, this isn't going to be a friendly happy song. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of friendly, happy songs, I think we we're, we've spent a lot of time talking about this. We need to move on to Andrew's pick. Sure, sorry, that's all right. No, that was good. I wanted to um to talk about it, so that's good. Uh, so let's see. My pick this week is I'm not sure how much I'm gonna have to say about my own pick. This is one of those instances where I don't really know much about the band. Um, don't worry, I've and, got something uh, to say. Oh, good. <laughs> so uh, the band that I picked is Band of Horses. <laughs> And um, they are an indie rock sort of group. And the album I picked was their debut album from 2006 called Everything All the Time. 
And uh, a handful of tracks that I would recommend here. I think I'm going to go with The Funeral, though, because it seems to be the one that I've heard uh, on the radio. So we can play some of The Funeral for the folks now. heard that Band of Horses was a thing at one point, and I had heard um, positive reviews, uh, but I never really got around to listening to them, and then um, I stumbled across them on RDO and uh, gave it a listen and really sort of enjoyed it. And um, I really liked the first song on the record, which is called The First Song. And uh, Ooh, real inventive. It, I know, super <laughs> inventive. So, <laughs> it's indie, man. So, uh, so I really like that song. And then the rest of the record kind of took me a little while to get into because it felt like kind of a, a blander version of the shins, uh, in some ways. And, um, so it took me a few listens, but I gave it those few listens and I came to really enjoy the record as a whole. Uh, in particular, the first song, pretty much the first half of the record is, is quite memorable for me. Um, and I don't know, it's just sort of, it's a good, it's a nice little indie indie sort of record it's um you know dense um, melodic it's got um you know some nice vocal hooks and stuff and it has um what would you call it it has a nice um atmosphere sort of to it and uh so i don't know i like it a lot i don't know um what you guys thought but i thought it was a pretty good record so i thought i would um pick it i'm glad i'm surprised you mentioned the shins because that's where exactly where i was going to start because mm -hmm. as soon as i put this record on i heard the book was like hey, is that the guy from the shins <laughs> so I immediately ran to Wikipedia and I looked it up because I knew the guy from the Shins had a solo thing going on. So I'm like, wait, is this solo thing Band of Horses? And so I, I, I threw down and, and searched and like went to the Wikipedia article for Band of Horses and C Command F typed in sh no results. Like, what? Huh? Because <laughs> this sounds... I, I, am I the only... I, I can't be the only one her, her, Matt, can, can, you, can you back me up on this? Does the guy sound like the guy from the Shins or what? Yeah, no, like when uh, when Andrew said, you know, he first thought of it as kind of a blander version of the Shins, I was like, kind of like basically like, oh, my God, that's like the perfect description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's to to borrow one of your phrases, Andrew, from an earlier episode, it was uh, pleasant enough in the moment. But, you know, I've given it a few listens and I I don't remember any of it. I'd like except for the fact that it sounds like the Shins and it's got well, like the Shins without the keyboard player. Mm hmm. Because my favorite Shins album is the Owen Verde Will. It's got those awesome keyboard parts. And, and this was just like, oh, um, I mean, it's it, if I'm listening to like a playlist of the Shins and someone dropped Band of Horses in there, I probably wouldn't pick up on it. Yeah. It's not bad. I don't, but it's you know, just like, I don't, it doesn't stick in my head. It doesn't stay in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of got to agree with Rich. Like, uh, it's one where I, I, I enjoyed listening to it, but it was, it just didn't really grab me it was like i was like oh this is pretty good but it, it's to me it just seemed kind of almost like sort of like generic indie rock you know like something you would find on a soundtrack or something when they just wanted to be like okay these, these kids are into indie rock let's let's you know get the our our show composer to whip something up real quick yeah and and, and the thing is, is i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing just because i mean it's it is pretty good for what it is. It's just, but it it just doesn't have that. 
Hello. Uh, it just doesn't have that. Um, I don't know. Like to, to, I guess, cannibalize, you know, one of our prior things. It just doesn't have the stickiness. There's like not the, I, I guess for me, there, there aren't enough rough edges or anything to kind of catch on to, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's the fuzzy side of the Velcro tape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Show title. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you guys. I think, um, it's not, uh, it's definitely not a bad record, I think, but it does take, um, some time if you need to kind of invest in order to, um, to have it stick with you. I think it's kind of a sleeper sort of record in that way and that it's, you know, it's not going to grab you right off the bat. You need to spend a little time with it in order to uh, enjoy it to its full potential. Yeah. And I mean, I think when I, I'm pretty sure when I did rate it in iTunes, I did give it five stars. It's just, you know, one where it, it was just sort of, yeah, this is, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is nice. Yeah. Pleasant enough yeah. in the moment as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about that? Or <laughs> No, I don't think so. That's all I have to say about it. Wow, I know we wouldn't be talking this much about it. I would have rushed us out of the uh, uh, hesitation marks discussion. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Nine Inch Nails some more. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we can circle back because uh, yeah, I've got a record too, and this th- I, I I decided to take a risk with this one, and I went with a really old record that um, from 1969, and this is the the debut album by um, depending on whether you want to be pedantic or not, Can or Con also known as The Can or The Con. Uh, they are a germ- They were one of the founding bands of the genre later known as Kraut Rock. And this is an album called Monster Movie. And my pick out of the four song, the whopping four songs on this record is the uh, entire second side of the disc, a 20-minute epic called You Do Right. So let's hear just a snippet of that. Once I was blind, now I can see Con were or a very interesting band. Uh, they um, a mix of like psychedelic um, proto funk, uh, really uh, serious bass playing, um, and this ability to just go on these like long tangential tangents, uh, these like long you know jams, like you do right, which is twenty minutes long. Um, and wasn't that like edited down from like six hours or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of <laughs> want to hear the original six hour version just because and I just love hearing uh, their their vocalist on this record, uh Malcolm Mooney, is an uh African American poet and uh writer and um who now teaches I think he teaches literature at some college somewhere. Uh this is the only this is the first of the two albums he did with the con. Uh the first album he did this one and then he did their last album, Right Time, R I T E. T-I-M-E. And in the middle they had a, a Damo Suzuki and maybe I think one other guy along the way. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, there's an interesting story around uh, about You Do Right. Not about the recording of You Do Right, but uh, interesting story where uh, the Holger Suzuki, the bass player for Khan, was, was influential and uh, he, I think this album was actually produced by Conrad uh, Connie Plank. Matt, you know that name, I'm sure. Oh, yes. The, the German producer of Note. 
who, um, and his, not only was he a producer of note, he, his recording studio is infamous. And in 1970, late 77, this, this band from Ohio came to, uh, Connie Plank studio to record a record. And, uh, the, he, he engineered it too, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. And so, you know, the, before they start recording, they're just like, setting up their instruments and, uh, Holger, who happens to be at the studio at the time, goes into the studio and picks up, picks up the bass and starts playing the bass line to You Do Right. And the rest of the band that happened to be there at the time, recording a record at the time, they, 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 they realize, oh, hey, this guy's, I, I know that bass line. So they all pick up, they start jamming on it for a while. <laughs> and the name of that band, by the way, is Devo. <laughs> and if this session was ever recorded, I would give two of my limbs. Whoever has it can pick. I would give two of my limbs just to hear this. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Yes. So, uh, you do right. Um, I mean, this is, of the various con albums I've heard, I don't have their whole discography, but this is actually, I think, my favorite. It's, you know, it's just, you know, part psychedelic, part proto-krautrock, part awesome. And I, I, I really do like Malcolm Mooney's vocals. He's, he's very entertaining to listen to, I think. Mm-hmm. Though it sounds like, I, I, I got a vibe from you, Andrew, that you're a little, uh, exasperated by the record it was um largely a miss for me i listened to the record uh at some point last week and in the car and it was um difficult for me to not turn it off um i did stick out stick it out through the whole thing um and then today i listened i re-listened to you do right while i was cleaning my bathroom this morning (laughs) and um it uh, it is epic in length, and that's about it for me. I didn't. Uh, I found it to be fairly repetitive, and um, I mean, I like a good bass line and everything, but it. Um, I don't have very much to say in its favor. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I knew I was taking a risk with this one, Matt. Yeah, it was a bold move. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I actually liked it. Um, uh, although I, I it was kind of interesting because like um. I think this is actually the first of Khan that I've heard. Um, so, like, kind of talking about the whole uh, mental mental versions of bands in the head, I was expecting something a lot more like, say, like, uh, Noi. Um, so when it ended up being, like, kind of this, like, uh, really uh, psychedelic record, I was kind of thrown for a loop a little bit. Like, it was still, you know, not, uh, not as a knock-on quality or anything, because I thought it was really a really good psychedelic record, but it was still not quite what I was expecting just because of, you know, I, I knew the, uh, the, um, Krautrock, uh, connection and the idea that they were, you know, proto Krautrock and everything like that. But it was still like, you know, it was sort of, I guess I wasn't really expecting like, pardon, uh, how, how proto that was going to be. Like, I, cause like, I guess I was kind of expecting like, you know, either, you know, something like more like Noi or, Kind of like the first couple Kraftwerk records where it's more classical or something almost. Although I guess in a way, like the uh, the uh, Tone Float album that they did with or as an uh, organization is kind of in this vein too, I guess, of the, that kind of, you know, psychedelia, psychedelia kind of thing. But I, I, I dug it and I, I really liked uh, You Do Right because it's, I thought it had a great groove. So yeah. I was like. And you can hear, I, you can hear the, where we're. Kraftwerk and Noya and Faust, maybe, and you know some of the other crap rock groups picked up from where they from where this started. Kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's like especially with like kind of the extended jammy kind of thing that gets into a groove rather than being jammy, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Like, cause I mean, like you do right is pretty much kind of a, uh, it's not quite as the like locked down thing. Like you would get later with, uh, most like, you know, normal kraut rock or most like non proto kraut rock. Uh, but it is, it's still not exactly a, you know, sidelong jam that you would get from, you know, someone, you know, like, um, bands that I don't really like. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very much a 20 minute groove. Um, yeah. Kind of makes me wonder what they cut out. Um, which is why I, I would totally sit down and try to listen to the six hour version if they, if that, if that exists. Um, so yeah. And, you know, you might maybe Andrew, if you're curious, check out like some of their later stuff. The the albums that are are, th- are banded about as like you know the essential con records are uh, uh, Tago Mago, and mm-hmm. I never know how to pronounce this one. Eje Bamyasi, E G E space B A M Y A S I. The album for that, the album title for that one came from literally a, a can of Turkish okra. <laughs> which they used on the album cover. So it's it's a can album with a can of okra on the cover. Mm. You know, just... just I, I it think sounds done, like you're not impressed. <laughs> done with done with all the self-awareness that implies. Um, that actually is kind of a I cool album like, cover. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you like con, so I put a can on your con so you can can while you con. <laughs> I did like the album cover. Oh, yeah. But, uh... yeah. And that's actually the second album cover. There's like a the original version had like 500 press was pressed to uh, 500 copies and it had a completely different cover. But I do like this one, yeah. yeah. So, well, we got some time. Uh, any topics we want to circle back to? Um, oh, I just wanted to. Uh, oh. I had a question for you guys. Have you listened to um, iTunes Radio at all? I, I no. played around with it after I installed the uh, the GM on my phone and mm-hmm. my iPad, and then. Uh, also, when I put the iTunes 11 band on my on my machine, I played with it a little bit then, just like mm-hmm. meh. It it's it, it didn't really knock my socks off. It's like okay, it's kind of like Pandora. It's kind of like uh, RDO. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's not whatever. I um. I've had I've had a hard time sort of getting into it because art. I mean, RDOs. I am again sounding like RDO sponsoring us, but um, RDOs stations are in my opinion, a lot better executed because in particular they have, if you go to the stations in RDO, you have a feature called UFM, like mine is Andrew FM, and it's a station personalized, excuse me, to your history and taste, it says. And it will, and you get this, excuse me, you get this sliding scale of um, familiar to adventurous and anywhere in between, and you can set the bar to... um, a level in, within that scale and get either songs that are really out of your wheelhouse or really within your wheelhouse and it uh, it just seems to work a lot better to me with with um, iTunes Radio and I haven't had a chance to play with it that much but with iTunes Radio it feels like you have to pick a song or a genre um, or an artist and then build a station based on that and that has never this is why I never really got into Pandora, Pandora because like if I pick um, if I make a Rush radio station, I pretty much just want to hear Rush songs. And if I pick a make a Rush radio station, Rush will be the first song, but then I'll have to deal with like, you know, who the hell else will come up? Like people that I don't actually want to hear about. Um, I'm trying to get an example here, but it doesn't. It's not really working for me. But you know what I mean. So like, I'll I want to hear Rush, and I'll put on the Rush radio station, and then maybe like it, every... it plays stuff like Fish, maybe. Mm, I don't think it would play Fish. 
rush rate rush rate but um but it just it'll go through uh you know other classic rock bands that like oh yeah i get it you know they're both classic rock and everything but like that's not really what i want to hear so um so i think rdo's execution of the the station thing works a little bit better for me i am seeing now that uh iTunes Radio does have a slider that goes from hits to variety to discovery. I'm not sure how effective that is, but I mean, I like that they that they tried it. But yeah, I just have no real use for streaming music services in my life. It's uh, I've got a, a huge collection, and I like to buy music, and I like to have music that I keep. And uh, uh, I'm on the subway a lot, and there's no service down there. So uh, you know, what good is a you know if I want to listen to the radio on the subway, I'm kind of in trouble. You know, I don't drive. I I, have, I take a train that goes under the ground. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't listen would've... to streaming solutions. I mean, outside of Wi-Fi anyway. So yeah. I, I wish I could listen to our audio stations on the road, but. I mean, well, I don't know. If, 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 unless you like really blow through. I don't know how, how bad audio would be if you have like three gigs of data on your phone or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not the, sure how much it uses. Yeah. Because uh, I, I have the three gig plan on my iPhone, and I'm actually gonna let me let me check to see just how often how much I use that data. Uh, yeah, da, 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 communications folder, AT&T app. This oh, that's my phone password. It, isn't this exciting, radio folks? You do right, Oh come on, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I don't even use a single gigabyte of data per month. Sweet. So, so <clears throat> but I'm um, checking now. Okay, logged in. Excitement. I can't wait to hear how much data you use. Oh my! Six days left in my billing cycle. I'm at 922 megabytes. Woo! <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> Matt, did you have something that you were gonna say? Oh, I was because I know that like uh, our topic was going to be the uh, album leaks thing again. Oh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I've just had this thing where I'm trying to avoid like album leaks. That I only got picked up one album before it actually came out this year because uh, I'm trying to just buy music. I actually put a put up an essay on my site about why I'm trying not to pirate music anymore. I've mostly put that aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you the exceptions to uh, pirating that that. Or that make it acceptable for me to pirate something. One, it's out of print, which uh, you know I think that's more than fair. Like, if you want me to give you money for it, you have to let me give you money for it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, if I'm downloading, uh, I I went on this binge recently, just downloading a bunch of B sides and to uh, Fatima Mansions and Micro Disney uh, singles. Mm-hmm. I can't get those in print. I don't even think I could find those in a used music store. I'd have to like hover, go to like gemm.com and just like hit refresh over and over again and every day and see if I could find one of these things coming for sale. It's not going to be ridiculous price-wise. Um, and second is like, oh, ridiculously overpriced imports. I love Poly6, but I'm not paying like 35 bucks for a CD ever. Mm-hmm. And um, the other exception is like, you know, bootlegs, because you don't that's that's unacceptable. You're not allowed, you don't sell bootleg recordings. That That's rude to fans and it's rude to the band. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do buy the Poly Six albums though. Like I, I buy those, and I buy um, Love Psychedelica mostly from Japan, and uh, that's about it in terms of import things that are super expensive. You know, 
Because I, I, there, there's British imports that I get, but those are usually more, much more reasonably priced, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's like a little ridiculous uh, that you're charging. It doesn't, even when you factor in the cost of shipping it out of the country, there's no way it costs 35 bucks for that CD. Well, I mean, that's actually pretty close to what the list price is in Japan, though. I mean, CDs are about 30 bucks in Japan. Well, that's just bullshit. That's the thing I've never understood is, and that, that's why um, Japanese CDs usually have bonus tracks is to get to try to get people from importing the U.S. versions because they come out cheaper and earlier. <laughs> so, and this that's is, but this is why the music industry is in trouble, people. Yeah, this is the thing that I don't get is like if if it's cheaper to get like U.S. versions, why don't you press your CDs in the U.S. and then import them in? Because apparently that makes more sense economically than, you know, pressing them in Japan, apparently, you know, and that that's the thing that I just, I don't quite get. But I mean, if you look at, um, next time you, you see a Japanese CD, like, check the obi because the obi will have the price on it. And the rule of thumb is that one yen is about one cent, give or take. Yeah, I, I, I don't have, the only Japanese. I have like a bunch of Japanese uh, Polysix releases that I got off eBay like many moons ago, but mm-hmm. they're all in storage in Philly. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying like, or even next time you go to an actual record store, if you find a, you know, a Japanese import, you know. Yeah. By the like, way, do you like, keep the OBs for your import CDs? I do. Good man. But um, but yeah, ba- basically it'll be like you know like uh for for just for an example that you you would know like 15p that EP. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was about 1,600 yen or about 16 bucks for an EP. And the albums usually are around 30. I don't get Japan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's it's one where it, I just I, I just don't get quite the economics on Japanese CDs just because it does seem that it would be cheaper to import the albums and then just slap a OB on them or, or a OB in an insert with like the you know, Japanese lyrics or liners or whatever, you know, then that actually apparently press them in Japan and charge, you know, 30, 30 bucks for them or, you know, whatever. I mean, because it just seems because I, I don't know how much a U.S. CD is in Japan. Like, so I don't I to be honest, I don't know if we're talking like a difference of like, you know, twenty five versus thirty dollars or if it is closer to the U.S. price of, you know, ten fifteen. Hmm. And then since I've been buying Western music occasionally anyway, it's usually about 10 bucks anyway for me, so. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just going to Google real quick on, like, iTunes Japan just to see uh, how much an album is there. I'm just going to click on kind of a random album on the iTunes store. Um, uh, translate just so I can kind of see what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh... Uh, it's okay. This is their site. Let me, uh, more exciting radio. Ah, you okay? Let's see. iTunes, apple.com, JP. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Electronica, Gold Panda. Okay. Uh, the album Lucky Shiner by the band Gold Panda, uh, via iTunes Japan is 1800 yen or $18. So that's yeah, uh, and an individual track is a buck fifty. Wow, man, that's that's intense. Um, 
I, I by the way, I have no idea what Gold Panda sounds like or is. It's just what I found. Apparently, they're they're electronica, and they also bought is a bunch of bands I've never heard of, and then Fortet. Okay, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, though, I mean that that that's apparently how much a, a iTunes Japan album is is uh, about twice again, which I guess is about same because you know I'm like you know you know 15 twice is is 30 so and that's a not unheard of price for an album in the u.s is 15 so Mm -hmm. (sighs) it's hard yeah i just i like to have i just like i like to own music that's what i'm saying i same here um so i think we're we gotta wrap it up i guess uh one last uh we have picks for next week uh Andrew, since we're seeing the the long winners, do you want to maybe maybe you should pick the uh, and you're going off at the, as the lead next week. Do you want to pick maybe you should pick a long winners record. We could do that um, certainly. Um, let's see. Um, I don't. I mean, I could really talk about any of them. I don't. Wait, what well, are we doing? Are, is everybody picking one? Yeah, well, I'm um, not because I don't have any. Okay, yeah, and I figure <laughs> I, I I might as well not pick one either. Um, but uh, yeah, well, if you pick When I Pretend to Fall, that gives us, we can just spend like, you know, a whole half hour or so geeking out about the show. Sure. So, you know, I don't want to make your decision for you, but I just think no, it, it makes okay. perfect uh, sense. Yeah, I could do the uh, the Long Winters record. Uh, when I Pretend to Fall, their second record, going to be performed live in New York City. And also in Seattle. And apparently they, they've announced a few other West Coast dates like uh, Portland and Los Angeles and San Fran. Maybe not Portland, I don't know. Anyway, uh, my pick next week will be the record um, The Bones of What You... Bo- Sorry, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just checking my notes here, and I, I know I, I picked a different record for next week. Uh, the album Silence Yourself by Savages, which I will be, who I'll be seeing in concert two nights before I see The Long Winters, so I think that works out perfectly. And I'll be picking the brand new one from Janelle Monet, you, as you kind of probably figured... Um, it's called The Electric Lady, and I'm actually seeing her at the end of the month, so there you go. All right. So, um, that, that was gonna be our picks in two weeks, um, if all goes according to plan. Um, and again, if you are in the city of New York, and you, or in the environs, and you have a ticket to The Long Winters performing When I Pretend to Fall at the Barry Ballroom, please, look for us, say hi, buy me a beer. Andrew doesn't drink beer. Nope. Uh, so you can, if you want to buy Andrew beer, buy it for me instead. Yes, mm-hmm. I will give it to Rich on your behalf. <laughs> it better be a good beer. I don't drink PBR. Um, that's it. So uh, in two weeks, guys, uh, except for you, Andrew, I will see you not this Friday, but next Friday. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so, that, so that's basically still two weeks, dude. <laughs> it's excuse It's twelve twelve days. Twelve <laughs> days. Two weeks is a fortnight, which is 14 days. 12 days is less than two weeks. Uh. <laughs> Shoe. <laughs> All right. It's, a, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Okay. See y'all on the flippity flop. Bye, folks. Bye.